Hey, she's, I think we can all agree there's nothing else that can quickly send your day sideways than a visit from the hangry monster. I learned pretty quickly during pregnancy and now as a parent to tiny, hungry, hungry humans that having snacks on hand is key to everyone's sanity and survival. And while my snack of choice is typically fresh food, it's not easy or convenient when I'm on the go. And okay, to be honest, I have found one too many squished bananas or hard-boiled eggs at the bottom of my purse than I care to admit. Which is why I love the grass-fed beef sticks from Paleo Valley. I stash these protein-rich snacks in my purse and the diaper bag, so I'm always prepared. Unlike other meat sticks, Paleo Valley beef sticks contain 100% grass-fed and finished beef from American farmers who practice rotational grazing, which is better for you and better for the planet. 100% grass-fed beef contains more B vitamins, calcium, magnesium, potassium, zinc, phosphorus, beta-carotene, and iron than grain-fed beef, and has important fat-soluble vitamins that can protect against cardiovascular disease. It's a snack I feel good about eating and sharing with my kiddos. So if you're looking to level up your snack game, head over to paleovalley.com and enter the code UNREFINED15 at checkout to save 15% on your next order. That's paleovalley.com with code unrefined15. This is Liz. And this is Sharon. And you're listening to Unrefined She. The well-being podcast for women like you who want to explore your health, claim your space, question norms, and live your best lives. Hosted weekly by entrepreneurs and women's health experts, Liz Winters and Sharon Bailey. As always, please keep in mind that the information shared on this podcast is for general purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. And now, let's dive in. Okay, she's, if you've been listening for a while, you know how much I love CBD. Stressed? Take some CBD. Sore muscles? CBD, of course. Liz and I personally use CBD in our daily lives and have seen CBD help our clients with pain, anxiety, period cramps, and more, which is why we are so happy to partner with our friends at Rockin' Roots Farm. Rockin' Roots is a family-run farm and herbal medicine brand. John and Candace, owners and farmers at Rockin' Roots, pride themselves on supporting the community and planet through regenerative agriculture education programs, and affordable access to beyond organic produce, CBD, and herbal health products. We love Rockin' Roots, and we know you will too. Shop their CBD and herbal products at www.rockinrootsfarm.com and select Unrefined She from the drop-down menu as your affiliate at checkout. Hey, and welcome back to Unrefined She. This is Sharon today's episode, I was able to interview Benita Robledo of Compassion Fashion. And I brought Benita on the show to talk about ethical fashion, but really we ended up doing a deep dive into um, sustainable parenting. And it was really a fascinating conversation that kind of unfolded between the two of us. Uh, So I'm really excited to share that with you. But before we dive in, I want to tell you a little bit about Benita. So Benita Robledo is an ethical fashion activist, writer, and speaker. Her work has been featured in magazines across the world, international news outlets, and podcasts. She also translated her digital activism into the real world by opening an ethical pop-up shop in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. As a new mother, she's currently working with various ethical designers to create fashion-forward, ethical fashion for moms. I know you're going to enjoy this episode and have no doubt you will have some aha moments or thoughts. So if you do, we would love to hear from you. Um, You can head down into the show notes and leave us a quick voicemail with your thoughts or your feedback. Um, We love to hear from you out there and we appreciate you being here. So enjoy the episode, and I'll see you at the end. All right. Welcome to the show, Benita. So wonderful to see you. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I know I found you on the gram a number of months ago, and I was like, I want to talk to this woman so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm glad we were able to do this. Um, How are you today? I'm pretty good today. Um, okay. My yeah, my 
I'm a little stressed out because my baby is transitioning from three naps down to two naps. Oh, so boy. that's that's always a, a tricky time. But I'm doing pretty well because I do have um, support today. My doula comes uh, twice a week. My postpartum doula comes twice a week. And so she's with her right now. So it's also like, okay, I have a little time to breathe, yes. even if it's a total shit show yeah. later. <laughs> I've got help. I've got backup. That's, oh man, <laughs> those little moments are so huge. And yes. for all of you listening, postpartum doulas are amazing because your baby is how old? Oh no, she is seven months. Outstanding. Oh, I love that so yeah. much. Yeah. Lo- yeah. And my postpartum doula is amazing. She was actually my birth doula too. Oh, great. Um, yeah, she's fantastic. So she's literally known my baby since she was a day old. Uh-huh. Um, so have, you know, and because of COVID, like we don't, um, she's the only other person in our circle and, and she wears a mask when, you know, when she's here at our house, but she's, she's literally the only other person my baby sees other than my husband and I. So it's, it's been nice that they can, they've actually like developed their own relationship too. That's so um, great. Yeah. That's so great that you have that. It It is so hard to find somebody to like let into your circle if you're taking yeah. COVID in that kind of way. Like yeah. I know for us, we've, we've really struggled with it and we finally have gotten to the point where it's, it's just the three of us because yeah. Yeah. you know, it's so complex in so yeah. many ways. So I'm really glad y'all have her. Cause that's, that is hard. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. I mean, we're, you know, I, I feel really lucky. She takes it very, very seriously and is very cautious and we're pretty much her only client except when she does births and she gets tested whatever so we we feel really safe um but yeah like literally nobody else sees my baby yeah except you know 10 feet away with a mask on right right like hi over there (laughs) yeah exactly exactly oh man well so we always start off with um a little question called what's cooking in your kitchen and it can be your actual Mm. kitchen or like kitchen of life or business or whatever so what's cooking in your kitchen these days you know funny enough my kitchen is very much in transition like everything in my life right now Uh um so it's like mostly vegan food okay um, right now which is interesting I've, I've I've kind of gone back and forth over the years between being vegan or being vegetarian or eating meat and um you know during my my pregnancy I I wanted meat and you know I, I fully believe in listening to my body and what my body wants so I ate meat and then as of like a month ago just all of a sudden I was like gross nope nope Interesting. So I'm, you know, uh, making like spaghetti squash with broccoli rub and pine nuts. Oh, it's really good. It's my favorite go-to meal. Okay. It's a little bit of lemon, a little bit of parsley, some garbanzo beans. That's that's really good. That sounds awesome. (laughs) We have a pantry full of winter squash because we have like four gardens. (laughs) We're like homesteaders you know so and I looked in the pantry yesterday and I was like we've got to start cooking these like I need to have a squash going in the oven at all times because there's so many of them (laughs) so yeah I'll have to give that a try we do still have we have a greenhouse you know I'm in Colorado we're up in the mountains but we have Mm -hmm. a greenhouse on the front of our house that we built on right when we moved in and we use it to capture passive solar and then also so that we can have you know food some food in the winter we're working on building a um a sauna in it with a an electric heater because we have a huge solar array so we're trying to like heat the greenhouse year round and like grow citrus and do all that fun stuff but um I do have one broccoli plant that's going in the greenhouse we had broccoli all summer long and it was like I love broccoli so much (laughs) it was my favorite food while I was pregnant like oh, I yeah. ate it like it was my job. Oh, interesting. I yeah. wonder if it was like an estrogen thing. Because I, I know it like it helps balance estrogen dominance. Oh, does it? It does. And so oh. for the longest time, I would crave broccoli three meals a day at least. And my husband was <gasps> like, what is with all the broccoli? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's so good. And then I yeah. found out I had uterine fibroids, which oh. for me were, I think it's just in general, but maybe it's just for me, but was an estrogen dominance thing. And so then I found out that broccoli ba- helps to balance out an estrogen dominance. And so I was like, cra- my body was just craving it nonstop. 
Yeah. So in retrospect, that's the first time I had like a pregnancy tell was with broccoli because we, I made some broccoli for dinner and I was like, Oh my God, babe, is it like to my husband? I was like, isn't the most, this is the most amazing broccoli you've ever had. And he was like, um, I just, it's just, (laughs) yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) And I was like, no, Oh my God. And I was just like, floored by the magic that was this broccoli and then like a week later I found out I was pregnant and I was like oh okay that's what that was oh my gosh I love every time I would eat broccoli I'd just be like oh my god broccoli (laughs) (laughs) oh I still kind of feel that way about roasted broccoli (laughs) I do I really do love broccoli it's just so good yeah I I think for me, what actually reminds me of like one of the, I didn't know that I was pregnant because Mm -hmm. I was transitioning from one job where I was like running the programs of this art um, Mm -hmm. thing. (laughs) What's the word (laughs) I'm looking for? Um, Like community art center in Paonia where I live. And then I was transitioning into the job I was telling you about as the executive Mm -hmm. director. And so I was working like 60 hour weeks and I was throwing a giant um, our giant annual fundraiser, which I was a masquerade ball in this like little castle that's here in Paonia. And so, yeah, which was great, but I was real busy. And so I didn't have a chance to even listen to my body, but right before I figured out I was pregnant, it was like a week before there was the same week I got the job and I found out I was pregnant, but the (gasps) week before the, and the masquerade ball all happened in the same week, right? Wow. The week before that I was sitting, it was December I was sitting in my kitchen with my husband and, um, I was, (laughs) I was like cooking, um, like hash browns and listening to Willie Nelson's Christmas music. And I'm from Texas. Okay. And I just like started, are you? Yeah. Where? I'm from the Rio Grande Valley. Okay. I'm from Houston. Okay. Okay. Texas. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, I was like, Willie's playing in the background and I've got like sizzling potatoes on the stove and I just start sobbing and I'm like, I miss home so much. And he's like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) And a week later I was like, oh, I was so pregnant and I had no idea. Yeah. 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 Well, it was funny while we're, while we're talking about pregnancy stories or, you know, how we found out what's funny is so my, my husband and I, actually, we've been trying for a little over a year okay. um, to get pregnant. And, you know, after, after about a year, you know, my, my husband's in, you know, he's 41. I am at the time I was 35. So we're like, all right, maybe we should get checked out, right. Just see what's going on. So he gets checked out. He's totally fine. I get blood work done. And then I get, um, they, they also do like an ultrasound on your ovaries to, you know, make sure everything's like working or whatever. And I get the ultrasound on my ovary and they're like, Oh, look, like that's the chosen one. Like that's, that's, that's the one that's going to drop. See, it's bigger. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Neat. I get the blood work done. And then I get a call from my doctor. Um, you know, what, whenever the blood work comes in and he's like, so you're not ovulating. That's, that's the problem. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Oh my God. Well, no wonder. Yeah. He's like, you're not ovulating. So we want to get you on this medicine. You know, we'll get you on this medication. That's going to make you ovulate, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, you know, I just like, I I just need some time. Like I'm not ready to jump into this. I just need some time. And my husband and I went on like vacation. We came back. I didn't get my period. And I was like, oh my God, my body is so out of whack. I'm not even getting my period now. I've never been late by even a single day my entire menstruating life, right? And I'm just like, wow, everything's really off. This is wild. Um, and then like two days go by and three days and four days. And, five, and I'm like, no, I can't be pregnant. The doctor said I wasn't ovulating. Like, I'm not ovulating. This is a problem, whatever. Well, turns out my husband was just like, just t- take a pregnancy test. Like, this is ridiculous. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to take it so that I know for sure I'm not, and I don't get my hopes up, whatever. Turns out I was pregnant. 
And the reason he didn't see me ovulating was because I was already pregnant. Because you're already pregnant. And How did they not catch already that? Already pregnant. <laughs> and the um, the the like picture that they took of like the egg that was going to drop ended up being my daughter. Oh my god, that's amazing. So we like have the picture and like I went in, you know, a few weeks, like, you know, the, the next month and the the technician was like, wow, I said, I hope to see you soon, but I didn't think I'd see you this soon. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, we, you were right. It really was the one. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so cool when she's like older and you start like talking to her about you being yeah. pregnant with her. Cause this is where I am with Fox now. I'm like, and then you were in my belly and I show him pictures. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah, but yeah, to be yeah. like, see, this is you. This is half of you. <laughs> you came from that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so wild. And when I actually went to go get my blood test, the nurse who's taking my blood actually almost gave me a pregnancy test instead. She was like, you're here for a pregnancy. She, she was like doing it. She's like, okay, you're getting a pregnancy test, right? And I was like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm getting like, you know, the test to see if I'm ovulating. And she was like, oh, oh God. Okay. Glad I didn't give you the other one. And I'm like, I would have come up that I was pregnant. It would have come up that you're pregnant. <laughs> wild. Totally the whole wild. universe was like, you're pregnant. <laughs> Take the test. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. oh. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Well, before we dive in, I want to take a minute here. We're going to hear from our sponsor and then jump back in. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Packed Apparel. Now, I love Packed. If you haven't heard of them, they are on a mission to become Earth's favorite clothing company, and they are definitely one of mine. I I'm currently cozied up in my favorite packed sweatshirt. It is so comfy and so wonderful. I swear by their maternity nursing tank tops, as well as their maternity undies, things you didn't even know you needed maternity underwear, right? Well, packed has got you covered. They have organic cotton, cozy clothes for women, men, baby kids. They even have sheets and towels. Y'all it's amazing. And it's about more than just cozy, awesome clothes. They're really taking care of their workers by partnering with Fairtrade certified factories to ensure they're both caring for people and for planet. They provide carbon offset shipping and really thoughtful packaging to reduce and minimize that life cycle footprint. Now, they're also being incredibly generous to our unrefined she community and offering a discount code for your very first purchase so you can get 20% off at wearpacked.com with the code unrefined20. That's wearpacked, W-E-A-R-P-A-C-T.com with code unrefined20. So Benita, tell us about yourself. Tell us your origin story. Like I'm a big junkie for the origin story. So like, tell us who you are. We know you came from Texas. You can tell us more about that. But like, what what led you down this path of compassion faction and like where you are now? And tell us everything. Give us the dish. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I think what's, what's really important to know is, uh, you know, I'm from Texas and I... I was raised, I was always raised to be really conscious of the environment. Um, You know, my mom just like really, really loved nature. And I would like watch Fern Gully and we would recycle our cans. And that was just always like a big part of growing up. And um, I'm Colombian and Mexican. Um, My dad's Mexican, my mom's Colombian. And, you know, Catholicism is a, is a, is a big thing, but my mom wasn't never really interested in going to church, but she would be like, well, let's just go sit in the trees because like, that's God's house, you know, like we don't need to talk to anybody. We'll just like, we'll just go sit and like smell flowers. So, um, so I always had that, right. Like that, that was always like an appreciation for nature was just a part of like the fabric of me growing up. And then, um, you know, I got older and I got into acting. I was an actor, I was a professional actor for 12 years. Oh, and, amazing. Like yeah. film, TV, film, stage, film, TV, stage. I, I was a voiceover actor, did audio books. Like I, I basically did everything. I, you know, I was, I was very lucky and I had a, I had a great career 
for 12 years. And wait, um, what audiobook? Because I know somebody out there is like, I want to hear you read me a book. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, it's called Out of Darkness. Okay. And it's a young adult novel, but it's really, it's really mature for its age. And it's based on, um, it's, it's like a historical fiction novel. So it's based on an explosion that happened in Texas back in the, I want to say thirties. Okay. And it's like a love story. It's really good. And I will tell you, there's like a big, there's a big tragic scene in it. And I like literally sobbed my way through reading it. So like, it's it's a fantastic book. Okay. Okay. We'll link it in the show notes, y'all. So yes, I did that. And um, one of the shows that I was on was Teen Wolf, which is this really popular show on MTV. Yeah, I remember yeah. Teen Wolf. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I got a bit of a following from that. And, you know, I had a lot of people at the time, like a, a lot of the viewers would like reach out to me with like really, really personal stories and personal problems and like looking for advice and and things like that and I I realized that I needed that I, that, that I had a responsibility right that if people were looking to me I needed to make sure that I was using that for something more than like just pretty pictures of myself which like if you want to do that whatever fine like go do you but I, I'm deeply, deeply uncomfortable with that for somebody who spent so much time in front of the camera. I really don't like, I don't like that much attention. (laughs) So, um, so I was like, okay, like, what can I do? What can I talk about? I'm sorry. That is so interesting to be in a place where you're on camera, but not liking attention. Well, cause I, here's the thing is like, if I'm on camera, I'm not myself, right? I'm part sure. of myself, but right. I'm a character. I'm, I'm doing something else. I'm, I'm creating something in, in conjunction with a bunch of other people. It's not like me, Benita, personally, here's who I am. Okay. Okay. I understand. That I find okay, cool. Uh-huh. Deeply uncomfortable. I'm just like, I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, which I think like a lot of artists are like that, right? Yes. They just want to, they just want to do the work, right? I want to do the work and I don't want to talk about it. And I don't want to like, I just want to do the thing. So true. Like My husband is an artist <laughs> and working with artists, like at the artist residency. I mean, just, I've worked with a lot of artists. My degree is in art. Yeah. Like artists don't know how to talk about themselves and that's no. okay. They don't have to. Yeah. Right. So can somebody else do that, please? Yeah. Um, and I love why I'm, I'm saying this, like, while I'm here talking about myself. Yeah. That We're is having not a conversation. It's cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, I realized I had this responsibility. And I had been into ethical fashion personally um, since I read Elizabeth Klein's book, um, Overdressed. Mm. And realized just kind of how damaging it was. And so, you know, when this came up, I said, well, that's what I can talk about. I can talk about ethical fashion. And so that's what I started doing, you know, and people really responded to it. I had, uh, I had a digital network reach out to me right around the same time and say they wanted me to create some content for them. And they were a beauty and lifestyle channel. So they were like, what can you talk about in that space? And I was like, ethical fashion okay, like I could talk about this. Like I can make it, I can make it accessible to people. I can make it seem cool and interesting and beautiful and important. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, that's what I did for a long, yeah, I, I think I started doing that in about 2011, no, 2012 or 13. Yeah, I started, I started talking about it then. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I've really enjoyed talking about it and it, it's kind of ebbed and flowed, but I, you know, I still, I, I still think it's a great way to engage people that might not otherwise be engaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So 10 years of talking about ethical fashion. About. Yeah. yeah. And so now you're making a transition. 
yes. into, I mean, motherhood, Yeah. <laughs> which I, I always mean, feel like people glaze over. They're like, yeah, and then mom, you're being a mom. And then what else are you doing? And I'm like, isn't that enough? <laughs> I'm raising a human. Yeah, I what grew her. There? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I've, you know, I've really gone through a lot of transitions over the last few years. So I said I was a, an actor for 12 years and I transitioned from acting to directing. Oh, because, wow. Yeah. Because okay. I was just like, I'm tired of this. This is not interesting to me. Like, I, I'm always kind of interested in what's next, right? Like, I'm somebody who really enjoys learning. So when I feel like I've kind of got a handle on it, I'm, I'm like, let's move on. So I, so I transitioned to directing and phased acting out. And then um, we actually moved to Lancaster, uh, PA. Uh, about three years ago, um, my my mother in law has Alzheimer's, mm. and you know it was it was really important to me and to my husband that we be here. I, I'm so lucky; I have like an amazing mother in law, and I just felt really, really strongly that I needed to be here and I needed to take care of her. And so we moved here, and I was like, I was done with Hollywood. I was done with everything, and I was gonna come and figure out life here in Amish country. Uh And, (laughs) you know, and I, like I said, I, you know, I I cared for my mother-in-law. I worked at a regenerative farm and I worked at an herbal apothecary and I learned how to make herbal medicines and tinctures and pills and all sorts of things. And then I had my baby and I feel like in a, in a really interesting way, all of those life experiences have come together to make me the mom that I am mm-hmm. like in a really fascinating way, like in a way that I did not ever foresee these things coming together. Right. Like I use, you know, my, my background as an actor, right. Like, my daughter, when it's story time, she gets a full production, right? Like we have all sorts of voices and dance moves. And um, she's a very energetic child. So she like really needs all of that to stay focused. <laughs> um, you know, and my, my experience directing really helps me to like manage my day and plan out my day with her and see like, okay, what skills are we going to be working on this awake session and how can I make that interesting for her? And, you know, my, my time at the regenerative farm and the apothecary like really helps like, you know, she's got a little bit of dry skin around her mouth right now because it's the winter. So great. I know that jojoba oil will be fantastic for that. And I can, uh, you know, know how I can, uh, mix foods for her we're doing baby lead weaning so she's getting to experience foods right now and so like okay like how can I mix these foods for her in a way that they'll be like as nutrient dense and uh, you know working together as well as possible you know so it's it's just it's very it's very cool it's a very interesting and cool time in my life yeah and so how do you find like in this transition and with using all the skills that you've acquired, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very similar. Like I'm always like, what's the next thing? Like, yeah. let's do this. Like what else, what training can I do? What else can I learn? Yeah. And then how can I, you know, watching it unfold with how I'm raising my child has been really yeah. special to, to watch, you know, and, and something I'd never really expected. Um, and so how does like sustainability play into motherhood? Because it's so easy to fall yeah. in the trap of like, you need all the shit. Oh. Like, oh, you're gonna have a baby. Here's a bunch of shit that you need, you know? Yeah. And then you got a closet yeah. full of shit that you don't need. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Well, you know, I think it's, it's come together in ways that I didn't expect. And I have fully failed in ways that I thought I was going to rock, you know? Um, we're really lucky that I've got great friends that have given us most of her clothing and I get almost all of her clothing secondhand, whether it's for friends or buying online, you know, I, I would say probably 90% of her closet is secondhand. It's so like, that's been great. 
But at the same time, like cloth diapering, I was given a full, like a, a huge set of cloth diapers that were secondhand from a friend. And I was all set to do it. And I will tell you what, my baby is seven months old and a cloth diaper has not touched her bum. <laughs> it hasn't. Because I just, I can't. The smell, I just, I want to die. It is so terrible. And I just, like the thought of washing it, like, and, and, to, and to be fair, like, you know, I try to give my baby some diaper free time. Today, she literally shit in my hand while I was oh my holding God, her. Yes. <laughs> while I was like going to go put a diaper on her no. and I was holding her and I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God. Like why? <laughs> like literally girl, you couldn't have hold, held it for like 30 more seconds. I would have had a diaper on you. Um, I, uh, I tell my friends who don't have kids, I'm like, look, when you're a parent, you will at some point have poop in your hands in one form or another. <laughs> warned me nobody, nobody warned, warned you me. <laughs> I was just like oh my god oh my god oh my god so gross. <laughs> um you know and, and and the thing is like I just I can't do it and she is very very sensitive to clothing mm, she mm-hmm. absolutely hates it and there's something about cloth diapers that are too much like clothing for her like she'll fight a diaper a little bit but she will full on have a meltdown if I try and put a cloth diaper on her. And I was like, you know what? This is not a battle I can win. Um, I don't, I don't have the energy, uh, but I almost never buy her toys. Right. Her favorite things are like paper that we have around the house. And um, I put together, like I have this little bottle that's maybe like two inches tall and I put some split peas in there and she loves to shake it and she loves a clementine she will play with a clementine for like 20 minutes amazing right? she lo- she scratches it and she loves the smell and she rolls it and she picks it up and she puts it in her mouth and you know it's it's great for her sensory wise and so like we you know we have um some Montessori toys and we're really lucky. My husband and my father-in-law are both woodworkers. So my father-in-law has made her like a, a, like wooden, like wooden toys where you like have the different shapes that you try and like put in the cube and, you know, again, Montessori like inspired toys that she's going to have for a really long time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been sort of interesting to see, how stuff that I already knew has come into play and how much I thought I knew. And when push came to shove, I didn't know. Right. Like I, I didn't know that some things wouldn't work or would work or, you know, I, I think there's also like a lot of, there's so much pressure to, I think on, on parents in general, but especially if, if you're somebody who's considered like, in the sustainability space to be a certain type of parent. Um, and the truth is like, not all of that is going to work for everybody, no matter how much you want it to. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, a really interesting point in there is sustainability isn't just about like reducing, you know, yeah. or like, yeah, it, it it's, so much of it is about like how much energy you're putting into it. Yeah. And it's like, if it's not sustainable for you to cloth diaper, which we cloth diapered for two years and it was a full-time job, you yeah. know, like I was doing yeah. a load of laundry every 36 hours. I was worn the fuck yeah. out. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then we switched to compostable diapers and yeah. he still is in a diaper at night just because if, if he wakes up, he doesn't yeah. go back to sleep. Yeah. And I'm like, at this point, <laughs> yeah. we'll figure yeah. it out, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. But we were going, my in-laws live in Boulder. We're on the Western Slope mm-hmm. of Colorado. So it's about a four hour drive, but we go over to see them pretty frequently, like once every two months. And we would literally schlep all of the <gasps> compostable diapers in like oh. our dog, used dog food bags. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to put yeah. in their city compost because I live out in the boondocks. So like there is yeah. not that's not an option. And I was like, is this worth it? You know, and yeah. that was years of doing that. But like, 
the fact of the matter is, and if your kid, one of the things like I found is personality and your kid's mm-hmm. personality, you cannot plan for how your kid is going wow. to react to cloth diapers or not clothes oh. or not, you know? Yeah. And, um, so there's so many things like, especially going in as a brand new parent, first time yeah. parent and like, and having the parent during a pandemic, during a pandemic, Shit. Right? Like where you have almost no help. Yeah. Oh, you know, right. I've got my doula and my husband and that's it. And that's and it. My husband has to run his company and right. my doula can only be here so many hours during the day. Like, you know, I, I think there's just like, I know several people that have kids have had kids during this pandemic. And it's just like, it is brutal. Like we are not meant to raise kids in isolation. Like we're not meant to parent in isolation. So I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm getting through it and I am trying my fucking best. Yes. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. No, we are not meant to parent in isolation. And our children, I mean, that's been the, I think Ryan, my husband and I talk about this a lot. Like that is the hardest part is yeah. watching Fox go through this very pivotal period of his life. Mm. And he was in preschool. We had him in a Waldorf preschool and you know, pulling him out, he went into a full on depression, like watching my little like three-year-old be in a a very depressed state was so hard. And then, you know, just trying to figure that out. And oh my gosh, I mean, he's, you know, it's, we've taken the opportunity because in the first five years, they really receive most of their social cues, you know, from parents. Right. And I'm like, this is our last, like, six months that we have he's gonna be five when he goes to kindergarten i'm like let's just really try to embrace it to the best we can but like yeah man parenting in isolation is so challenging liz my co-host had a baby um sorry liz i think it was last (laughs) i think it was last may uh i can't quite remember april or may anyway yeah and she you know yeah it's like it's her second. And so, you know, there's like, she has a a four-year-old that's two weeks apart from Fox and then her little baby. But yeah, I mean, just watching her try to figure out how to parent Mm. and then also like run her business and the same with my, you know, it's like for those of us who are doers and trying to create business and it's so much. And so sustainability is so much more than like, did I cloth diaper or not? You know, did I make my own baby food or not? It's like, how do I make the right decisions for my family dynamic, for my family culture, for the life that we're given right now? And to be able to like make longer term sustainability goals. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, you had mentioned you wanted to talk about this and, and I think it really dovetails really nicely with this conversation about, um, it, it was a quote about, uh, like sustainability. It had, it was in the email. Oh, here, let me, let me read it. Let me read yes. it. You had a great quote and I was like, Ooh, can we, can we talk about this? <laughs> oh, let me see it. Um, capitalism won't get us out of this mess. It got us into the destruction of the planet and the working class. Even buying ethically is not the solution. Although if you're going to buy what is FFs? For fuck's sake. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> if you're going to buy for fuck's sake, choose something ethically made. Let's find a new path forward. One rooted in mutual aid, liberation, and justice. Love that. Yeah, and I think, thank you. And I think yeah. this, this, this really dovetails what we were talking about, right? About sustainability, because I think the sustainability movement over the last 20 years or so has really been focused on the consumer. How do you, like, what does every choice that you make, how does that impact the world? And while I think personal responsibility is very important, at the end of the day, I think it's something like 10 companies are responsible for like 80% of carbon emissions. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're really, it's almost like we can't see the forest for the trees, right? We're, we're so focused on individual action, but we've lost sight of the fact that corporations can get away with the mass destruction of the planet, right? Like I shouldn't have to spend hours and hours and hours researching the chemicals that are in various brands of diapers. We just shouldn't have diapers that can 
cause these horrible diseases, right? Like we should just have non-toxic options be our baseline. Right. And that's, you know, I think thinking about that has really helped me to be gentler on myself during this time, right? Because, you know, maybe I don't have the bandwidth to, you know, I don't know, cloth diaper, for example. But you know what? I can I can take 10 minutes to call my representatives while my baby's napping. Absolutely. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I think that's really, really important. Like, I think we have to stop blaming ourselves for a problem that we didn't create. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I highly recommend, uh, Elizabeth Klein wrote uh, a piece on this. Uh, I think it's called the twilight of the ethical consumer. Okay. And it's fantastic. I mean, I, she was the one that got me into sustainability in the first place. I am now very lucky to call her a friend and she's just always able to articulate things that I'm, I'm thinking and feeling in, in such a powerful way. Um, and I, I, you know, she, she wrote this article not too long ago and that's what inspired that post. Cause I, I, I messaged her and I was like, Oh my God, Elizabeth, thank you for writing this. I was like, you have put into words something that has been bugging me for two years and I didn't know how to say it. And you just totally. said it. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Highly recommend everybody read it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there is, it's, there's so much there. There's like a balance between voting with your dollars and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then like not, not getting down on yourself for right. like needing to do what you need to do right. <laughs> to be right. a yeah, well I mean, I human. Right. I also, you know, I don't think that the solution is to be like, oh, forget it. I'm going to go shop at 20, forever 21 for, you know, like spend all my money there. Like, right. That, you know. That's not the solution either, but I, I think it is about, you know, holding the people responsible that should be responsible. Right. And, and, and in fact, like corporations have spent a lot of advertising money and a lot of lobbying money to convince us that it is our responsibility as consumers to make a better choice instead of holding them responsible. Like Absolutely. this isn't an accident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that, that it's, way. and that it's like a privilege to be able to do so because Absolutely. it's so, it can be so expensive to be an ethical consumer, you know? Yes. And I've really been toying with this idea that like, you know, in a sense, those of us with more privilege and means should, mm-hmm. should, <laughs> um, be, I don't mean to shit on everybody, but to like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that it's, it's our responsibility to be voting with our dollars in an ethical way so that we are yeah. actively working with our purchases yeah. to change industries. Yeah. Yet these corporations have put us in a place where it's so challenging to even yeah. know yeah. <laughs> who is somebody that you can ethically trust, you know? Yeah. And so like, this is actually some work I'm doing in the Glow Emporium is like, I have a whole section of businesses like brands that I go through with a very fine tooth comb, read all the labels, look at their ethics, look at their practices, like look at their paper trails, everything so that I make it easier for people to be able to shop because it, it is such a pain in the ass. And for people who like, you know, both parents work multiple jobs or whatever, Mm -hmm. they have lots of Mm -hmm. kids. There's so many things like, where are they going to find the time to like read the labels, to like make sure that companies are actually doing the work that they say they're going to do. They're not greenwashing the labels, you know? Um, but it's so hard. And, and I was thinking there was something you were saying that I was like, you know what, we need to impose like a toxic tax on corporations that like, you know, like instead of it being so expensive to buy a quality article of clothing, that was sustainably made. That's not yeah. microplastics. That's not all the things, right. you know, Right. like right. we should, t- corporations should be taking on all of that financial burden. Yes. My God. Yes. <laughs> all right, Exxon. 
<laughs> yeah. You ruined our water waves. Well, guess what? Yeah. It's your fucking turn yeah. to pay the bill on this one. For real. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's not like they don't have the money to. I know. They spend the money lobbying to make sure that they look like the good guys. Yeah. It's like, just put that money back into the damn environment and the people yeah. and mean, like they, you know it, it's just it's completely the model of you know capitalism really requires endless growth and that is just not sustainable not period. at all mm-hmm. it's just not like no matter what way you look at it if you divorce it from everything else it is the, at, at its very root is not sustainable and it requires exploitation. Like the only way to have continual growth is by exploiting something or someone. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. you know, I'm just, I'm not down with that. No. no, no, I'm not down with it either. I had this conversation with, do you know, lady farmer? The it's yeah. A, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. So I had them on the podcast. They're so great. Um, and we were talking about the, like, the idea that if you are saving money somewhere, that mm-hmm. somebody else is footing the bill for that. Yes. Yeah. So you're like $20 dress or whatever. I mean, if it's secondhand, yeah. that's one thing. Right, but, right, right. Someone but somewhere like, is paying. Someone somewhere is paying. And whether it's the factory workers, whether it's the environment that's getting all the toxic sludge dumped into the yeah. rivers and the people whose like drinking water is now like toxic and flammable or whatever you know like somebody is paying for you to save that money and that's where it goes back to the idea of you know being an ethical consumer you really do and it's like it's that double-edged sword because it's like you really have to take ownership and like it is Mm -hmm, our privilege mm -hmm. to be able to like pay more for less (laughs) you know which is a very un-american thing like you want me to pay more for less like what (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) but at the same time it's you know then it's taxing on us as consumers because i mean that just sits so heavy in my heart to know like okay well i bought this pair of pants for my kid because he needed some pants and this yeah. is the budget that I have this month. Yeah. But I also know that there's, I run the risk that some, you know, child in some, yeah. in another country was a working for slave labor, you know, and, yeah. and, yeah. and I fed into that. Yeah. It's well, really fucked you, up. <laughs> it is. Did you watch the show, The Good Place? Oh yeah. You watched the show? Okay. Oh so yeah. Do you remember? Love that show. Do you remember there was an episode where they talked about how it's almost impossible to get points to go into a good place because it used to be really simple, right? You wanted to take your mother some flowers, you cut her flower off, you know, the hedgerow and you gave it to your mom. And that was that. But now it's so complicated. And I think, you know, we, we live in this really uh, interconnected world. And in, in so many ways, that's, that's beautiful and wonderful, but it does come with all of these pitfalls. One of the things that I've started to do that I find to be really helpful is focusing on a hyper-local economy. Mm-hmm. You know, what can I get from someone down the street you know, you know, if there's a, a local apiary and I can get local honey or, you know, I mean, luckily because I worked at this regenerative farm, like I know a lot of great farmers, right? So I can, I can um, be a part of their CSA. Mm-hmm. And one of the great things, and I, I think this is another thing that I love about uh, what I see people at least here in Lancaster doing with the local economy is, you know, not only can I be a part of the CSA, but they actually charge uh, a little bit more so that they can sponsor other people who can't afford the CSA CSA to actually get their shares. So it's really, yeah. So it's like, you know, that's something I can do with my privilege, right? Like, Right. I can sponsor somebody else to have, you know, locally grown, organically grown food. And like that is going to have 
huge repercussions in their life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For their life, for their kids' life, right? They, they having good food, having access to good food, right, changes everything. Yes, it really does. Well, and if I, you know, I live. There's about 3,000 people in the town that I live in, up in the mountains in Colorado. Like, we are up here. And (laughs) it's a a huge farming community. It's actually, like, the highest concentration of organic farms and orchard in Colorado. It's a really special little spot. Um, But when COVID hit, you know, it was end of winter, beginning of spring. So nobody was growing food at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we have, like, two little grocery stores here. And, and it was of course, so hard, our dependence on the food chain yeah, and how like fickle that is, like how, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's all I could think of fragile. That's the word. How fragile it is. Like it's coming. That word is coming, (laughs) but how fragile it is, is so, was so apparent. And we actually like, we had our garden like starting to go, but we upped our garden game hardcore because we were just like, dude, if this is going to go on for a while, which at that point it was like, kind of looking like this is going to be around for a while. Like, I don't want to be completely dependent on this very fragile supply chain. Hence the closet full of winter squash (laughs) that I have. (laughs) Oh man. Well, so... We always like to do um, like a call to action. So for people who are listening today, do you have a call to action? Yes. I would say I've got two call to actions, actually. All right. You know, take your pick. (laughs) Or do Uh, both. (laughs) Or do both. Yeah, you know, depending on what you got available to you. One, find your representative and call them and demand that they that they work on the green new deal right that yes. they support the green new deal yes um and i say call rather than writing because they're more likely like that just makes a bigger impact to call um secondly i would i would ask you your action to find a local farmers market or a csa and just buy i mean csa is a little bit more of a commitment but Find a local farmer's market, buy some food locally this week. Even if it's just one thing, just buy some local food. And maybe while you're there, like chat up the farmers. Like, I think that's such a powerful aspect of purchasing locally is like, you don't have to worry about greenwashing in the same way because you can look that person in the eye and all the farmers that I know are like, hey, do you want to come by the farm? Hey, look at what we're doing. Like they're so proud of the hard work that they do. Um, so I would say, yeah, get get to know your local farmer and just buy one local food item this week if you can. Yeah. And then when you do that, you'll be like, why have I been buying this grocery store bogus? Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're like, oh wait, those grocery strawberries suck. They do. They're not like, yeah, once once you have like flavorful nutrient dense produce Oof. like oh it's so hard Oof. to go back oh i love that that's so great I know. so where I, can... I was... oh sorry go ahead when i worked on the farm we grew strawberries it's one of the crops oh my god a fresh picked strawberry like a legitimately ripe strawberry good god there's, there's nothing, nothing like it, it. There's nothing like it. I know like right before our first frost hit, I went down to one of our local farms and she had her house was full of just pallets of strawberries in the smell. And like Fox and I were going to put a bunch of them away in the freezer. I think we ate like (laughs) five quarts of strawberries before we even got them into the freezer. We were like, okay, well, (laughs) but there's nothing like it. They are just so wonderful. And something that, um, I actually joined the Almanac, which is the Lady Farmer online um, community, which is super great. Um, And the other day we were having a discussion about somebody was debating whether or not they wanted to join a CSA. And they were like, you know, it's a little, is it comparable in price? Is it more expensive? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so everybody was kind of giving their input. And my thing was like, I always go back to the social justice aspect of it. If like, you know, like let's cut down on this 
broken food supply chain like if you have the means if you have that privilege especially as a white person because most people on there are white people you know and i'm like right 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 right. by default (laughs) (laughs) like go but pay a little bit more money vote with your dollars like make that commitment to your local farm because they do such hard work and guaranteed no matter what they're charging it's not enough for the hard work that it takes to be a farmer yeah. Holy shit. Especially an organic farmer, right? Yes. Like, I mean, farming in general, my, yeah. I mean, I will say my first day on the farm, <laughs> my, my boss, I, so I was doing an internship at first and my boss was like, all right, so pick up the wheelbarrow and bring it over here. And I like, I picked it up and he goes, okay, put it down. And he's like, I'm going to show you how to pick up a wheelbarrow. And I was like, <laughs> oh, not even do that, right? <laughs> like total like city girl was like, what's that like yeah how do i pick up a wheelbarrow yeah now i can you know wheels a broad fork like it's nobody's business (laughs) it was was dark days when i started you're like noob here total noob (laughs) (laughs) i just love that like i couldn't even pick up the wheelbarrow yeah oh man that's amazing (laughs) well awesome so where can people find you right now and then also as you move forward and open up whatever channel it is like so people can Um, make sure to connect to you instagram is always the way to find me um it's at benita underscore robletto um i will always promote everything through there that's kind of my main channel and i tend to go off and on between being private um so if i am private just request it i as long as you look like a real person i will accept it right but there's <laughs> there my husband works in cybersecurity, so i get oh wow i get trolls and i get uh, yeah it's wow. just better for everybody's safety if i'm on private <laughs> right right definitely especially with having a kid and like yeah you know. i don't i don't share too much about her but like like I said, like, you know, people who are trying to go trolling my husband's company, well, sometimes I'm very easy to find. So gotcha. I go off and on. So if I'm private, friend request, I will request her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we'll link that in the show notes as well. Well, thank you, Benita. It's been such a wonderful time talking to you. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And I, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to just talk about parenthood, like something I haven't talked about before. So it was was great to be able to do it with such a like open and receptive and understanding person. (laughs) Yeah. We moms got to stick together for sure. (laughs) All right, y'all. Well, we'll see you next week. If you haven't already um, rate review and subscribe to the pod and uh, we'll talk to you later. Wasn't that a lovely conversation? I really enjoyed connecting with Benita and um, and I thought we learned so much from each other and really dove into the intersection of sustainability in, in parenting. I mean, who knew it was there, but it totally is. Um, I think for me, one of my biggest takeaways from this conversation was you know, you can have all these ideas about how you're going to be more sustainable in this conversation, particularly we're talking about parenting and like cloth diapering and whatnot, but, but realistically sustainability also has to be sustainable for, you know, the person involved for the consumer, for each one of us. Right. And there's lots of little ways that we can be proactive without burning ourselves out because that burnout is ultimately what prevents us from moving forward with incorporating more sustainable activities into um, our lives. So I hope that that was informative and uh, exciting, enjoyable, (laughs) Um, all the things for you. I appreciate you um, joining in on this conversation and supporting the podcast. Um, If you found it helpful or uh, learned something, had some aha moments, um, share share them with us on a voice message. You can do that via the uh, show notes below share this episode with a friend or with all your friends or on your social media account. Um, that can really help us out and then give us uh, a review. 
If you haven't already, it really helps people find us and find this information and find all these experts that we bring onto the show that we are so fortunate to have a platform to connect with and connect you with them. So thanks so much for your support. I also want to thank our podcasting team. We literally couldn't do it without y'all. We really appreciate your hard work and effort. Um, And have a lovely day, everyone. We'll see you next week.